Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Tuesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host. And today, I have a returning guest. The first time he was on, he was talking all things COVID lockdown today. We're going to be talking a little bit of uh, getting out of the Liberty bubble. Clint Russell, Liberty lockdown. Welcome to the Brian Nichols show. Thank you for having me, Brian. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank you for returning to the program and thank you for bringing a voice of reason, of common sense, and, and thankfully, of civility, because I think that's one argument that we see, uh, you know, lambasted out there quite often. As us in the liberty movement can be a little rough and tough. Clint, you've been engaging in conversations with people left, right, and center about the ideas of liberty, meeting them on the issues they care about, and bringing liberty solutions. You're doing a great job over at the Liberty Lockdown podcast, which you so aptly host, and uh, you uh, obviously have been doing a lot of work since you were last here on the program. Talk to us. What's been going on in the the life and world of Clint Russell? Uh, well, I've been doing a lot of a lot of conversations with some of the detractors to the Mises Caucus as of late, uh, basically trying to convince them of the falsehoods that they've fallen prey to, in my opinion. Uh, so that's been in, an interesting experience. I really think that there's just a ton of ton of uh, I guess the. <laughs> The, the disinformation board at the federal government will have to handle some of this moving forward. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully I don't have to, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's what I've been doing as of late. And and I don't, I don't mind it. You know, I, it's funny that I'm, I've been viewed as the reasonable kind of peacemaker person. Cause I don't, I didn't really get involved with this for that purpose, but I feel like oftentimes when you have a, have an extended conversation with someone uh, you can get past some of the uh, more vitriolic stuff and just, get down to brass tacks. And when you do that, uh, oftentimes you can see someone's humanity and deal with them on that level, as opposed to, you know, whatever label group that they're a part of. And I think it's a, a healthier, more productive way to do things. Well, I mean, you just had a conversation with uh, our, our buddy here over in the We Are Libertarians Network, Cody Johns, um, over on, uh, it was Dan Smotz's uh, System is Down podcast. And right. it was a debate on the accusation that the Beatsus Caucus is a cult. And I, I thought that you and Hody had easily one of the most like symbolic, not not symbolic, but the most um, like it, perfect examples that you could put to like how you can have a civil conversation, a civil dialogue, not leave the conversation hating each other, and actually I think leaving the conversation better understanding the other side, and mm -hmm. that's something that's so it's so incredibly missed, not just in the political conversations we see in the business world. We I just had a conversation here uh, yesterday with uh, Steve Harrison. He wrote the book "Can't Sell, Won't Sell," which was talking about the left's takeover of ad uh, the ad land over in the United Kingdom and how uh, you see that permeate into not just the uh, the ads that we see on TV, but then into how they focus not so much on the consumer, but rather on the socioeconomic. Uh, 
you know causes with the cultural causes of the uh, the month that they're supposed to be promoting and and they're not focused on helping sell a product or, or promote a solution they're not help it, uh, focusing on helping show the the correlation between a product meeting the the solution that they're looking for and then actually the better outcome what does that actually mean for the, the customer so I, I think that's where when we first you know had this conversation lined up and I was kind of thinking what should we talk about today well let's let's do this let's let's get out of our bubble and and let's pop the bubble the proverbial bubble and get out and talk to some real people and let's focus on what we would say is the the top 3 to 5 issues and we'll kind of uh walk through this today and see what we we come up with but the top 3 to 5 issues that you've identified and we can walk through the specific ways that we could we take these issues and now bring them to the individuals out there who are our target market talk to them as if they are real people cuz guess what folks they are and then meet them on these issues and talk to them like rational normal human beings how do you see that being the most effective way well i think that's certainly the most effective way you know politics is all about your life like that's that's the reason we care about it is because it impacts our life both of us have moved in the past you know year to to greener pastures because politics deeply interfered with our life so I think that that's the way to to reach people. And and as as for the the top five issues, I, I think that we can start clearly. Cost of living. I mean that that is that is obviously the biggest problem that's affecting everyone in this country right now. And you know, even though I'm financially free in my late thirties, uh, I even I feel it. It's brutal out here. Uh, the cost of gas to housing to rent to food. It is absolutely outrageous, and and libertarians have an answer for that. We actually had the answer decades and decades ago, and no one listened to us. But I think this is the opportunity. Instead of saying "I told you so," now advising people on you know exactly why this is happening to them and exactly how we might remedy it. Uh, so we can bounce that back and forth if you'd like, or we can just keep going down the list. Yeah, well, let's let's do that. Let's go back and forth with cost of living because the cost of living conversation. I actually, I think that gets overlooked with the inflation conversation, right? And inflation, it's so easy to talk about because it's its obvious right before your eyes. You see, you know, you print $7 trillion over the past two years and all of a sudden the direct implication is all of a sudden everything is hitting record prices that we've never seen before in the grocery store. But right there in the grocery store or you're at the gas pump and you see it up there when you're 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 pumping your gas or we look at the cost of homes right anybody who's gone and moved to a new place that's inflation right but to your point it impacts the cost of living this is making it human and i love that approach clint and and talk to maybe some some of the examples we can tell of the past you know I, I, we can even look at just a snapshot of the past 6 months the stories right of people that have experienced the hardships that is associated with the increase in the cost of living. I mean, that alone can help sell an, a, a solution in terms of getting away from from this traditional way that the government has been using the Fed as it's a you know just imaginary money tree that's out there. It, it's it's not realistic and it's hurting real people. Oh, terribly! I mean, it's absolutely crushing people and. And this is a bipartisan issue, which is why right. I like to talk about it. And the, and you're exactly right. The reason I didn't frame it as an inflation conversation is because a lot of people don't understand what that is. So I can just talk about your cost of living. You know, how are you doing financially? Do you feel like you're doing better? <laughs> the answer for almost everybody is absolutely not. I am not doing better. 
Um, so instead of getting into the economics weeds as to why, I could just talk to them about, well, this is pretty messed up, right? What should we do about it? Well, the guys that are in power that that decided to lock us down and print money and borrow money and uh, you know force people out of their jobs because they wouldn't inject something in their body uh, because the supply chain was broken because they fear mongered us into thinking that locking down the global economy for an extended period of time was a good idea. Uh, just go think you can pivot off of that. Yeah. Like once you get some common ground of, hey, our cost of living is brutal right now, huh? And and then just extrapolate from there. Uh, you know, the obvious rejoinder would be from the White House would be the Putin price hike, which is just completely nonsensical. Um, so I think you can you can probably persuade people that that's obviously false pretty quickly just by saying, well, you remember that the cost of living and the supply shortages at the grocery store that we were experiencing during lockdowns, right? Well, that happened long before uh, Russia ever invaded Ukraine. So let's let's move past that and and start to deal with the actual problems. And the the actual problems are pretty evident. I mean, this isn't conspiracy theory stuff. We've printed trillions and trillions of dollars while yep. we locked down the economy, which damaged the supply of goods. And if you have a reduction of supply and an increase of the supply of money, well, what do you think is going to happen? And it's uh, you know, try it, try and break it down into like layman's terms instead of going the austrian school of explaining what inflation is and then and then you can go and tell the real story say you know what who this is going to hurt the most the people that the left the progressives are supposed to care about the most those who are poor or have fixed incomes and i (laughs) oh my god there's a gentleman up in uh, northern new york uh he's an old family friend older gentleman great guy vietnam vet um you know just just as as nice and as genuine as they come fixed income in his late 70s and his heating bill for I think it was January or February it, this past uh, year, it was I think over five hundred dollars to fill his tank, and he he in the post it breaks your heart because he's like I don't know how I can I can keep doing this, and and it, you can hear in that post there was more than the the political sentiment the the topical conversation there was also the human element. I don't know if I can keep doing this. How long can I keep doing this? You can hear the angst, the frustration, the fear. And the uncertainty of unknowing what the future holds. And I think that would go to, in my personal opinion, the other main topic of conversation that I, I still am astonished that we're having. And it's this this conversation about the lockdowns, about our, our government response to, to COVID-19. And not just the insanity over the past two years, but also focusing on those who have been so negatively impacted by these policies, business owners, um, anyone who was fired for refusing the vaccine. Uh, I, I mean, the the people who have lost their, their social media presence, their careers, their reputations, their livelihoods, all for taking a position on, yes, a controversial subject, but at the same point in time, it's a subject that we were all dealing with and, and experiencing in some way, shape, or form. I think it's okay to have your own opinion on it, and yet people were destroyed over it, Clint. So I would say my second uh, opinion that we should be focusing on and the conversation we should be leading with is not just COVID-19, but the people that have been hurt and, and telling those real stories of people who have had to, to stand up and you know really take some slings and arrows. And I mean, thankfully, Clint, right? Two years later, <laughs> two years, um, you know, here we are. I think we're at the end of it. I think you know, Fauci just said we're no longer in the pandemic phase to the, the you know, scorn of all the academia out there. But I think we're at the light at the end of the tunnel, but we can't we can't let this ever happen again. And we have to make sure that we get some justice for those people who have been so just wrongfully hurt. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's probably why I come across more often than not very angry. <clears throat> and it's not because of me, you know, I, I like, it certainly did impact my life deeply and, I, and that pissed me off too. But what really frustrated me is that my job was as a private money mortgage broker was to handle the passive income, you know, investment funds of a hundred plus retired people. Like that's what I was doing. And I had to stop doing that because I could no longer evaluate risk. And as a fiduciary, I could no longer in good conscience do what they needed me to do, which was reinvest their capital into first trustees in the real estate market. So I had to stop. And those people had to scramble and try and figure out ways to survive all simultaneously while they were trying to keep up with the increasing cost of, of living. And it's just brutal. It's a brutal one-two punch that every investor is dealing with. Uh, there is this constant drive to chase yield right now, which is why we're in the everything bubble in that you know people, people realize that their cost of living is increasing and they're trying to find any way to make up that difference. And oftentimes what that, what that creates, in fact, almost every time what that creates is people making bad investments. Yep. In the Austrian school, we call it malinvestment, but that's where we're at right now. Ter terrible investment uh, options are abundant. They're everywhere. And, and because we don't know what the Fed is going to do when it comes to interest rates, everyone's just guessing. You know, they, they could decide to pull a Paul Volcker and hike interest rates to 20% to break the back of inflation, which would crush everything, every investment class. But they could also decide that, well, we're starting to see the telltale signs of recession and we're going to pull back and we're going to increase QE and, and we're going to increase the uh, the bailouts to people. And in which case we're going to have more severe inflation. So I can't evaluate that. And I, because of that, I can't. And I'm a professional investment advisor. That's <laughs> right. what I did for my career. So I don't blame anybody. And, and I can sympathize with their plight. You know, the situation they're in is catastrophic. And, and your point about making sure we don't forget these people and forget what was done to them. That's my whole mission. That's the whole purpose of my show is like to make sure that that, that they aren't forgotten, that this is remedied in some reasonably uh, ethical fashion and that it just never happens again I mean, because it was suicidal on a national level. Global level. I mean, well, uh, you yes. look at what's happening in Shanghai right now. Oh my God, videos coming out of there are just horrifying good friend of the show uh lily tang williams tagged me in a post over on instagram here a couple days ago um and just the the horror you hear the screams of people throughout shanghai now for anybody who's been not paying attention over to what's happening in shanghai china has reinstituted lockdowns and uh, i forget how many cities but the number I saw, it's probably gone up. I think it was like 60 million mod people who were living under lockdown perpetually for the for the most part for the past month. I know Sh Shanghai is 30 million, so I, I don't know how many other cities there are. You know, there's all oh, smaller than Shanghai, I'm sure, but it's enormous. I mean, it's absolutely enormous and and tragic. I mean, the fact that you're seeing people literally starving to death. The, the videos of you know bags of of cats and dogs that are being brought away to be slaughtered to turn into food because people are starving. Um, like there, it's it's just it breaks your heart. And the fact that we've let this happen is is I think also I don't want to say like it's there's a blessing in disguise here, but there is like because it's showed it, it's opened up a lot of people's eyes to the horrors of what a truly tyrannical government can look like. And how we get here, right? And, and I'm just astonished that it, this has happened so quickly. 
Clint. Like two years, it feels like it was a blink of an eye, honestly, in some cases. Now, in other cases, it feels like it's been an eternity. <laughs> but the fact that we've gone from where we were in 2019 to where we are today in 2022, they're different planets, like completely different realities. And yeah. I think at least right now, more people in 2022 are weary of government bureaucrats. They're weary of politicians. They're not as trusting of their elected officials. And and rightfully so. We saw a lot of local elected officials be the ones who, in many cases, enacted the most severe of the lockdown across the United States. You, you went from uh, California to Florida. I just went from mm-hmm. Philadelphia to Indiana. Why? I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for anybody who hears the, uh, the similarities between the states that we left and the states that we fled to. But this is across the, the United States. And, and frankly, we're seeing this right now happen across the globe. People are self segregating. And I think this also goes maybe, and I'd love to hear your thoughts here. I I thought of this as the number three, and that is people are starting to get more involved in the culture wars. Maybe not wars, cultural conversations I want to go with. Because I mean, the culture wars, it feels aggressive and it kind of is. But frankly, for the past, I mean, I want to say like 50 years, we really haven't seen much in terms of an alternative to your traditional leftist progressive cultural approach to the way we should be a society, the way we should be a civilized society, Clint. And yet now we're seeing not just pushback, but like absolute rejection. Um, We're seeing it from parents. We're seeing it from the corporations that are being kicked back by by parents from for the garbage that's being put into their kids' programming uh, at the school level across the board. So, Talk to us in terms of when we can bring these liberty solutions to people on the issues of the culture wars. Specifically, let's talk about parents taking back their their kids' rights and, and really usurping their roles as parents over the government. Well, I don't want to make this sound overly simplistic because the the economic issues, which we talked about in you know topic number one, uh, make my solution to topic number three very challenging, but. <laughs> The obvious answer is homeschooling. I mean, if you are in the financial position to do so, getting your children out of these indoctrination centers, it should be priority one. You know, if you can get past the economic burden, then this becomes your top priority, in my opinion, because these are these are proven to be, you know, just leftist mills. They're just churning out kids that that reject all of their parents teaching and then they go on to college and become even more indoctrinated as such. and, And it's it's a catastrophe. I mean, you have families that are being broken broken apart because of this. You have drug addiction and, and suicide that's skyrocketing because of this stuff. So it's very serious. And um, I don't I don't other than that, I mean, getting involved on the PTA level to make sure that your curriculum is not so wokeified that your kid is, you know, questioning their own gender from five years old. Like th- these are these are pretty basic demands, but they are still portraying these concerned parents as, you know, potential domestic terrorists and radicals and all sorts of nonsense, which anybody who's even remotely awake knows is BS. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for it in that regard. You know, it's certainly parents by and large were not involved in their parents' education for many, many decades, and they just kind of relied on the state to handle it. And I think that we've, we've now seen what happens when you turn a blind eye to probably the most important thing in your life, which is the, the development of your child. 
Yep. So I'm, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful that, that a lot of people, you know, I, I think we have more people that are being homeschooled than ever. It's like doubled in the past two years and, and it should be increasing from there. Hopefully. Yeah. I, well, when I was over on Tim pool. We were talking about this with the, the Florida bill, the, uh, the, right. the so-called don't say gay bill and mm-hmm. how the, the real conversation that we should be having is, is not so much, you know, like, whether or not, and the fact that this is even the conversation, this is why Ron DeSantis was so brilliant in the way he framed this, was because he made the left take a position on teaching kids K through three sex ed or or talking about these right. issues at that level. Now you can have a position on that, right? But he's making you now take the position, and I think your your normal parent, your average parent, is saying, okay, I don't necessarily want to even have that conversation with my child but if my child is going to engage in that conversation at let at least let me be the person determining how that looks what that looks like i don't want yeah. my five-year-old learning about this stuff because they're a five-year-old when i was like five i thought i was gonna be a train conductor i was all about thomas the tank engine like sign me up but exactly. like I thought I was going to be a Ninja Turtle. Exactly. Like, yeah. So like we got Thomas the Tank Engine and Ninja Turtles here, but like, is that where we ended up? No. Right. But we are letting children make decisions that are literally going to last forever when they are at the most, the most innocent and the most vulnerable parts of their lives. Any, any sane parent hears that and they're going to not just be against you, they will actively go after you, as they should. Can you blame them? It's their kids. And this disparity between government schools and government actors believing that, well, the kids, when they're in government schools, they're our kids, versus the parents saying, no, these are my children, like literally my children. Like right. that's, that's I think, going to be one of the big conversations and the frankly, the big sticking points we're going to see Going forward, especially in 2022, uh, the midterm is going to be wild. It's going to be so wild. Uh, and hey, we're going to be sitting on the sidelines watching as things burn, Clint. So with that being said, what are some of the last few things, if there's anything we missed that you want to make sure we bring up in terms of top of mind issues that we should be talking about with people? We had cost of living, COVID lockdowns, and making sure people, A, never have it happen again, and B, are held accountable. And then uh, we talked about parents' rights slash uh, you know, taking back a little bit of this culture war. Anything else, Clint, that you could think of? I think that probably the most front of mind for the vast majority of people that we haven't covered yet is just this, um, the social cohesion or the lack thereof, you know, the fact that we are falling apart yes, <laughs> culturally Literally. and this, the, this gets back into the, the culture war type language, but, um, I think it's real, you know, I think this is a very real phenomenon that, that because of the indoctrination centers, AKA the public schools and the, and the, uh, colleges, are, are creating these kind of social justice warrior type kids, um, you are seeing that the, the cohesive nature of our society is not what it once was. And this is a huge, huge problem. And it's like, it's not, it's not going to be an easy fix. We're going to be dealing with ramifications from this for probably the rest of our lives. Um, but I think that that's, that's one issue that, that libertarians have a solution in the sense that we could say, yeah, the, the government is too big. It has been involved in the the dictating of how we are formulated as children for too long. And, and because they have their own goals, which oftentimes stand counter to the goals of the parents involved, um, that's probably a mistake. <laughs> you know, we probably should not have been doing that. And and I think that that paired with the 
the increasing, I don't know if it's even real, but the racial divide when it comes to the way people talk, where we're putting race front of mind as opposed to our own humanity, uh, as to evaluating people as an individual, which is what used to be the progressive outlook <laughs> was to just think that we're all the same regardless <laughs> of skin color. Um, and now colorblindness is viewed as racism. I think these are all actually regressive issues uh, as opposed to progressive issues. And and I think that the libertarians have have answers in the culture war. Many of us try to avoid these subjects. And I think that it's a mistake because these yeah. are having very serious impacts on people's day to day lives. And we do have something to say about it. And, you know, if you don't, that's fine. But I think the vast majority of us do. And it doesn't do us a good service. You know, it does a, does a disservice not to address it. A hundred percent. And honestly, Clint, like that is why one of the main things I've been trying to teach here at the program is stop responding to narratives, start setting narratives. Because as soon yes. as you're responding and you start, you're explaining, you're losing. Because people, and this is what Trump did so well, right? Trump controlled the conversation by going from one shiny object to the next. And he never got it to the point where people could get stuck on the issue with him. Like, yeah, what he was saying didn't make sense. But by the time they were already like getting things figured in, he was already on to the next thing. Now, that's where Trump also failed, though, is because his solutions weren't real solutions. They were just, mm -hmm. you know, Trumpisms. And he was like, oh, this sounds great. Think they'll buy that? Great. Let's try it. Versus right. we actually have principled real solutions that we've been working on for generations at this point. And uh, my God, I, I, I hope I'm not hurting any feelings, but like we are almost to a fault at times, um, you know, ready to talk about our solutions and how they will work and how confident we are that they're going to work. Well, now it's time to put up or shut up, right? And, and yes. to actually bring our solutions out of our bubbles. And that's been the theme today is to get out of our bubble and actually go talk to real people. Um, but it also requires us to now talk like normal people and, and not to... You know, not to just good idea people to death and not to get stuck in regurgitating our favorite uh, economics book because that doesn't sell people on anything. That, that just shows them that you really, really are passionate about the thing you're talking about, which that's great for you, but how does that help them? What's in it for them? If we can show that, and, and we actually address the, the real concerns that people are facing versus the concerns that we think they should be facing, the concerns that we want them to be concerned about. Uh, well, I think we're going to find a lot more success. And uh, hey, you've been finding a lot of success there, Clint, over at your amazing podcast, the Liberty Lockdown Podcast. And uh, yeah, you can go ahead and find it on YouTube or your favorite podcast catcher. But uh, what can folks go ahead and expect if they go ahead and subscribe to this very interesting show? Well, uh, every Thursday I have on judge Andrew Napolitano, which is always a highlight of the week. Um, he, we've now done, I think three or four episodes, but he's going to be on every Thursday moving forward. So that's very cool. Uh, I still do kind of a Joe Rogan style interview, a uh, longer form interview with guests of all different political walks of life. And sometimes it's completely detached from politics and, but oftentimes it's, it's because libertarianism is, you know, the, kind of modus operandi for my show that's that's where i go with uh most of the conversations and unfortunately because politics has gotten so deeply uh impactful on our lives it's pretty much unavoidable and to your point about you know getting the way i would frame it is the libertarians need to get out of the hypothetical like we are dealing with the real ramifications ramifications of statism and we have answers and we also have the diagnosis as to why we're in the position we're in. So you don't need to talk hypotheticals like this is actually happening to people in their real lives. And that's why it's such a fertile ground for from which 
we can work, you know, like this is our, this is our opportunity. I really believe that this is the greatest opportunity in my lifetime uh, to try and help people. And if that's, if that's what you are motivated by, well, then you should wake up every day, just raring to go. So that's what you'll get with Liberty Lockdown. Uh, just to let people know too, Tower Gang, which is another spinoff kind of crazy show that I do. Uh, we're going to be having an event with Robbie the Fire Bernstein and uh, the entire Tower Gang crew doing a live podcast as well as Robbie's stand-up in Lady Lake this Saturday, which is, I think, uh, May 9th. And we still have a few tickets available. So if anybody's listening and would like to check that out, go for it. There you go. And that's uh, that's a call to action if I ever heard one there, Clint. Um, but yeah, you know, one thing I, I will say as we wrap up is we've always had a hard time being able to take our ideas and make people see the ideas as being relevant to them. Well, good God, over the past two years, we've had a government tyrannical takeover of personal autonomy, bodily autonomy, medical autonomy. We've had the government uh, printing trillions of dollars, so we're seeing an impact directly of not only uh, the monetary policy, but now the direct impact on the economy, supply chains, what happens when you lock down economies. Now we have direct case studies and examples. Oh, and by the way, people who you talk to have all lived this stuff every single day for the past two years. So it's real to them. So now literally every issue that we go out and talk about almost on the the regular, now it's really relevant and it's really real. So yes, to your point, this is not just, I mean, yes, there's a lot of bad things that have happened over the past two years, but with it, there are a lot of opportunities for us to engage with people that frankly were never open to engaging in the past. Now, I think we have a really good shot to get them to not just see our ideas as ideas, but as like real tangible solutions. So, uh, hey, right. Oh, go ahead, Clint. On top of that, we have a proxy war that could very well lead to World War III, and we are the anti-war movement. So, yeah, there's every every aspect of people's lives right now are being touched by politics in a way that libertarians can answer, and we should have an answer. World War III, that doesn't sound good, yeah. Um, No, it doesn't. The the fact that that's even the point where we're at right now, yeah, uh, 2019. Couldn't uh, couldn't come back quick enough if it could. Uh, oh folks, God, I wish. Oh yeah, folks. If you want to uh, get back to 2019, well, let us know. Please go ahead and give us a tweet. I'll include uh, Clint's social media there in the show notes, along with uh, not just the links to his podcast uh, over on YouTube, but also on your favorite podcast catcher. But I will also include the entire transcript from today's episodes. Uh, also, you can go ahead and check out all 480 plus episodes of the Brian Nichols Show at BrianNicholsShow.com. Yeah, ep- actually, I think we're over 490 episodes now at this point, Ooh. Clint, we're getting there. Yeah, episode 500 stuff, right man. around the corner. Uh, with that being said, Clint, any last words for the audience today? Nope. I just want to thank you so much for having me on, Brian, and uh, we'll do it again soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, with that being said, thank you for joining us on another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. With that being said, if you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead, give it a share, and when you do, give yours truly a tag at B Nichols Liberty. By the way, make sure you head to our Brian Nichols Show uh, store. We have our Don't Nuke Me Bro Joe Biden t-shirt. They are going to be going into the vault soon. Make sure you grab your version before it's locked up and away for good. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Clint Russell. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. 
enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation. And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today.